Welcome. You're listening to Value Add with Lars Coburn, bringing conversations and reflections that add value to your life. Hey, podcasters. Value Add coming on for you. This conversation is titled We Need to Talk, uh, which is the title of the book by Adam Mears. And he's a good friend of mine. We got to know each other over Skype, actually. And it was a great uh, chance for me to have him speak uh, to a youth rally that I was hosting in Eugene uh, over Skype. It was kind of fun to have him mediate some conversations about the book of Ephesians. And I'm actually doing a study on Ephesians, so I wanted to tell you a little bit about that before we get into Adam's podcast, which actually pretty much has nothing to do with Ephesians this time. But uh, maybe I'll have him on to talk about Ephesians as well. I'm going to do a a four-part series on interpreting uh, the Bible and doing Ephesians. So I'm going to use some conversations that I'm doing for our Sunday morning adult Bible class and kind of do short episodes on how do we interpret the Bible and then on the book of Ephesians itself. So uh, stay tuned to some of those podcasts that are going to be coming out pretty soon on the different themes and theology of the book of Ephesians. But now, to the fun conversation on sex with uh, the uh, Ask Dr. Sex Man himself, Adam Mears. Hope you're blessed by this podcast and that you uh, choose uh, to create more openness and opportunities uh, to talk with your community, your church, your family. Uh, Just make it an environment where sex and other things can be talked about. Uh, because I know uh, that it will add value to your life if you have an environment, a home, a community, a church uh, where we're not ashamed, where we're not afraid uh, to have these important conversations. Oh, shoot. <laughs> okay, well, we were recording me, but we weren't oh, recording we're you. Okay. Now we're recording you. Okay, so that was good. That was, right, that was good practice. This is good practice. Okay. Um, all right, we'll, we'll roughly start again. We don't have to do exactly that. Okay, so uh, we're here at Harbor Pepperdine Bible Lectures. I'm sitting with my friend Adam. Yes. Um, and we can see the ocean. You can see the ocean, which is great. From uh, as per a guy from Chicago, it's nice to see the ocean. I would like to see the sun. <laughs> You'd like to see the sun we'll too. The I ocean. know. <laughs> Although, as somebody who's gone through the drought of California, yeah. I'm enjoying yeah. the rain. And we're both, you know, Oregonians, right. yeah. really yeah. at our heart. Yeah. Um, but true. so your wife was telling you just a minute ago that it's hot in Chicago. It is, yeah. It's hotter. It was not hot when I left, but the day I got here and today, it was been about 20 degrees warmer in Chicago than it has been here. So I've been waiting all spring to get out to sunny Southern California, and now it's cold. <laughs> now it's cold. Yeah, I uh, I was going to go golfing, like hit at the driving range mm-hmm. on Tuesday morning, and it was sprinkling, and it was a good California, Southern California, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. You know? Well, why I mean, would you if you don't? Yeah. You have plenty of non-sprinkling days. You don't have That's to be right. Picky. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, so Harbor is a special thing. I mean, I, I struggle to say Harbor because it's been yeah. the Pepperdine Bible Lectures for so yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this podcast, Value Add, this is a project of mine trying to interview and talk to people who, um, you know, share things in their life with me that have added value in Great. such a way. Sometimes they don't say that, like, man, this added value to my life. But other times they are, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think both of us would say that 
the Bible lectures have added value. Yeah, so for sure. since we're here, mm -hmm. that's not really our conversation topic, but right. take a stab at that. Well, how is Harbor, how has yeah. Pepperdine Bible Lectures yeah. added value over the years? Uh, really, it's, for me, having, I've been in ministry in this uh, Church of Christ tribe for 20 years, and so for me, it's, it's kind of the one place, since we don't have, we're not a denomination, we don't have denominational meetings, anything like that. It's kind of the, the place where I can come and see the widest variety of people that I've known really throughout my whole life, really, even before I was in ministry professionally. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's encouraging, it's a place to meet and, and gather and, and find people as well as uh, new resources and, and new ideas also. So it's a little bit of both, a little bit of, of ministry work, but also just a lot of personal refreshment and, and joy in seeing people that I have worked with or been in church with or grew up with um, throughout the weeks. So that, that's that's yeah. the value for me, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, I think about like just the fact that we fit, first met over Skype yeah, right. and uh, and had some mutual friends. And yet the first few times that I met you were kind of around in person and spent you know more time with you um, were on trips out here. But mm -hmm. then also at the, the Bible lectures, we've gotten yeah. to chat and, and meet again and and right. kind of connect and so this is this very um much a thing i've treasured as i've kind of gone from being a kid who would come right yeah. i'm actually spending my time with yeah, the teens you're the one and the uh, yeah right this time but i used to be that teen running around <laughs> yeah. um and now i'm you know a youth minister and and uh and just the other i was standing with my dad and instead of him getting you know somebody from his past coming and grabbing yeah. him it was somebody who came somebody and grabbed came. me yeah, and, sure. and it was quite a quite an experience that is um, nice yeah it really is it's I, a it's saw a some folks reunion. today that i hadn't seen since i was uh, they were in my church when i was a teenager and, mm. and got to talk to them a little bit and uh, yeah just all kinds of all kinds of people that especially again it probably helps to some degree growing up on the west coast because a lot of that a lot right. of folks from the west coast are out here and uh, so i get to see a lot of people that I might not see in other places, even minister gatherings, that kind of stuff, because yeah. we are in this part of the country, which is where I hail from also. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So speaking of resources, I'm, yep. I just had you sign my copy of your new book. All right. Yes. Um, I wrote a book. Yeah. 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 It's good. Yeah. And it, it is a great title. You know, um, we need we need to, to talk. talk. Yeah. So, yeah. Adam, what do we need to talk about? Well, as far as the book is concerned, we need to talk about sexuality. We need to figure out how in our churches and our homes, and the book is really more focused on the home, but it, it kind of can be extrapolated to the church too, um, how we can create an environment and a, and a culture really in our home uh, that allows us to speak freely about sexuality. Um, I don't think I have to convince anybody that we live in, in a world where that's about the the most pressing topic, especially for young people, um, that you, you couldn't find a, a topic, I don't think, that takes up more headspace than that uh, for most of our young people, especially working with teens like we do. Um, and yet the, the church, is, church and parents have been largely silent, and, and frankly, a lot of times when we've said the very few things we've said, they've been weird and unhelpful, and so that's, <laughs> a, that's, that's the idea behind the book. It came out of my, my research and my dissertation topic on kind of the intersection of faith and uh, sociology as far as the research base goes, and then uh, teaching, and how we, can, how we can try to teach some important things to our kids. Yeah, and this isn't something that's just um, 
kind of a theory or theoretical thing. I mean, you yeah. you got the PhD, so I guess we can say you're an academic. You know, you spend your time. To, in yeah, theory, to but. the to the extent that I'm a person who has a PhD, I guess you can can put that label on me. Although I always felt like I was I was an imposter in that world. Yeah, yeah, but this is really close to home for you. I mean, mm-hmm. it is in your home. Your, it is absolutely. Uh, your kids are how old now? Yeah, so we uh, we say we have a. I talk about sexuality in a lot of places, but we we do the lab at home, and we've got yeah. we've got the kids, we've got the teenagers. I've got a 16-year-old son and a daughter who'll be 14 in about two weeks, and then a nine-year-old son also. So we're kind of at all stages yeah. of discussion on sexuality. So you you've had the talk then. <laughs> <laughs> you, you baited me on that. Yeah, I know you did. Right. Um, no, kind of, yes. Um, to the, what I mean by all of those answers is I don't like even research will tell us that the talk and in finger quotes uh, for our podcast audience, uh, the talk doesn't doesn't work. It's not effective at all. Um, it leaves parents typically feeling like they've accomplished something pretty good, and kids mm-hmm. feeling like they've had the worst experience of their lives, and, and would <laughs> never ever want to speak to their parents about sexuality again. <laughs> uh, but it also, in and of itself, it kind of sends an implicit message that this is a part of our lives that that we don't talk about as normal conversation we we have this big kind of pressurized idea that we're going to lay it all out there in one conversation as though sexuality can be explained in in 20 minutes Um, and that everything our children need to know about understanding their bodies and how they relate to other people and the hormones going through them and, and the feelings of attraction that they're experiencing, all that can be explained in one quick talk and then we'll be done and move on. Um, so we've we've had lots and lots of conversation with our kids about sexuality. Um, they might tell you it's too much, but <laughs> that's the price they pay for growing up in a household where uh, that's that's something I think about and, and right. work on quite a bit. So uh, it's, it's, and I think it should be, and that's part of what, what I really work on in the book, it should be a part of everyday conversation. It's mm-hmm. one of the the largest parts of being human, especially as we conceive it in, in our day and age, uh, our sexuality is uh, is innately a huge part of who we are, and culturally, it's maybe the biggest part of who we are, at least as, as we describe identity in, in our culture. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm gonna put this in the show notes, but mm-hmm. they can find you at askdoctorsexman.com, right? Uh, yeah. Although I've actually, I no. No. It, that's changed. It's changed. Uh, it's All changed right. to askdradam.com. Okay. So um, you've taken the, the de- Dr. Sex Man thing. I have. It more. turns out, as much as I love that title, it <laughs> it turns off some people uh, and keeps some, some churches from letting me go there and talk. Uh, okay. Because it sounds just a little too flippant, I guess. Which it go. totally was when I chose it, to be honest. I just yeah, but it was really excellent. Enjoyed it, I, but, yeah, I enjoyed uh, it yeah. too. Yeah, uh, and really easier. And I've been more active on adammears.com. Okay. Um, trying to figure out exactly what to do with askdradam.com in the future. Yeah, yeah. But I love the ask, yeah. right? Yep. And, and I think that in many ways, what you were just talking about in the, we think we can do the talk. We can, yeah. we can go out and take our daughter or son on a date mm-hmm. and um, explain, you know, genitals or right. whatever we're explaining, <laughs> yeah. and we're done, you know, yeah. uh, rather than what some of the things you were describing, um, some stories that you shared 
uh, at the sessions that I've had you come speak for parents in my churches. Mm -hmm. um, it's just more like your daughter or your son just asks a question, right? And yeah. it's an opportunity to have a conversation, and uh, and I I love that concept. It's mm -hmm. like we are parents, we are ministers, we're a church where questions are welcome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's really the the goal is that you you essentially kind of earn credibility in your kids' lives by having conversations about what it means to be a, a person, what it means to have a physical body, what it means to have the parts of the body, you know, the parts that we have on our bodies and what we do with them. And that starts when they're, as soon as you start talking about personhood, about uh, with your, when your kids are trying to figure out what a penis is or a vagina is or what that thing down there and you have to put a name on it. Um, building, having those conversations in, in, as they come up uh, each day in our lives um, one, it just it just opens up our kids to the idea that this is this is an okay thing to talk about. It's a normal thing to talk about, um, so that when the when the conversations, the stakes of the conversations get higher as they get older, and the questions get much more intense and um, have a lot more to do with personhood and trying to figure out who who they are, uh, that you, for lack of a better way to say it, kind of earn the right to be in those conversations as far as they're concerned. That they see you as somebody who is. Uh, who's already a partner in, in trying to understand these things and so yeah it's the, the best way to do it and, and what I what I always tell parents is the ideal is that sexuality is part of of our lives and so we talk about it anytime it's part of our lives just like uh, other parts of being human right like uh, having having friends or um, I can't think about the parts of being human right now. That's, just, that's all I got. <laughs> that's uh, good. That's good. Our appearance and those things that they, <clears throat> those those topics come up when they come up. Yeah. Right? yeah. For for my kids, appearance, for example, comes up when when somebody has a pimple and it's like this mm -hmm. is the worst thing that ever happened. So we talk about what it is and how we handle it. But the same thing is true about sexuality and relationships. Uh, that those our kids should grow up. Ideally, would grow up in in a world in which that's just a normal part of life. And so when I have a question about it, I ask it. Yeah. So um, this, you know, this conversation, it would probably be too big of a question to ask uh, how has sexuality added value to your life and maybe too intimate for what I really am going for. But <laughs> I think that I can narrow it here a little okay. bit. Okay. Because uh, what I'm, I'm thinking about is those questions that come up, those conversations and what you're almost describing is like an environment yep. where um, it isn't taboo, where you've you've worked hard from a young age of your children um, to for them to feel open to ask those questions. Because I, I think a lot of parents are probably thinking, like I'm thinking, that if my mom and dad had come in when I was 16 or 17 and said, mm -hmm. hey, we're going to have an open conversation about sex. Right. Um, it just would have been kind of awkward. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, really awkward. Because <laughs> the the foundation, the environment wasn't there, and no teenager wants to have that conversation. <laughs> no teenager <laughs> right. wants to have that conversation. Right. If that's the first time it's come up. Exactly. And so what I'm thinking is, you know, talk first from a dad's perspective, mm -hmm. um, and then you've been at you know you were at Naperville for so long, um, and created that environment there. Yeah. Talk. You know, second, how this environment that you you kind of fostered. Um, so first, how it added value in your home, right? As a dad, and then speak from as a youth minister, as a minister in a church where you created that environment. Yeah. How did that add value? Well, 
as a dad, I guess the, the payoff is the times when my, especially my two teenagers, they'll come to my wife or I, and I won't tell any, any really particular stories because I don't know that they want that being told on the podcast, but, uh, but they've, they've come to us with a, with a struggle, with, with something that's going on uh, in a relationship or uh, a sexual sin, and they've, they've confessed it, and they've asked us to, to help them figure it out. And, and in our experience, and, and I don't know, maybe it's just because we have really good kids, I don't know, but, uh, but in our home and in our family with, with both of our older uh, kids, there have been times when, when that's happened, where they've just come to us kind of out of the blue and said, look, I've, I'm struggling with this, or this is a problem for me, or I, I really need help with uh, a relationship that I'm in, or something like that. And, uh, and so it's the, the payoff, the, the value add, if you will, for us is, we're still in our in our kids' conversations, and and they're not afraid to, especially not afraid to confess sin and failure to us so far, and and that's always been our goal. The whole thing when Christina, my wife, and I started talking uh, talking together about how we can do this in our home 15 years ago, right after we had our son, um, and we just just because we, we just wanted that to be the case. But neither one of us grew up in homes where you could really talk a lot about sexuality. We just grew up in a time where nobody talked about sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just thought it was so important to try to figure that out. And we, we gleaned some wisdom from some good uh, authors and speakers along the way. Um, but but the payoff is, is where we are right now. And not to say that our, everything about our kids' lives is an open book to us, because I've, right. I've been around a lot of parents who had that idea, and I've always known that that was naive. But... Uh, <laughs> but but when they do, when they come and they just walk into your room and confess that something's going on, either just a, a struggle or something they're trying to figure out or an actual uh, sin that they're, they're really trying to work through, a, a legitimate uh, problem that they're hung up on, and you just start to feel like that's, like that's exactly what we were going for, so we're going to call it, call yeah. it a win, call it the, the value that's been added to our home. Yeah. You know, I was reading some stuff by Henry Nowen and mm. other people who listen to the podcast know I'm kind of become a yeah, closet you're now guy. You're I'm out there now. <laughs> um, but it's been, you know, great. I've I've had Chap Clark who mm-hmm. got to uh, kind of be mentored by yeah. Nowen and things uh, share some some really great stuff. And and I was I was reading this, um, he talked a little bit about this idea that really what it means to be um, the conduits of God's grace in each other's lives in Christian mm. community is just what you were talking about. That we're we're a place where we're confessing our sins right. and where we're offering forgiveness. Yeah. And so actually our our kids don't have to be just the recipients of forgiveness. Mm. Um, but that they need to grow up seeing that modeled of where people confess and they are given a chance yeah. to be forgiven yeah. so that they'll go out and actually forgive their friends who confess sure. sins to them. I mean, sure. how can they model forgiveness to other people, right. which is something that I think a lot of Christians think they're good at. You know, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, well I forgive that person. But a lot of times I think we we don't <laughs> experience good positive reinforcement when we confess a sin and receive that mm. that grace, yeah. that forgiveness yeah. back. And and just hearing that kind of thought of like, wow, as a parent, we could be that for our kids. Sure. And yet, so many parents, I think, 
struggle with that because yeah. they they close themselves off from yeah um, and you, you their know, kids you, are scared of them like mm-hmm. and I mean, at least we and i assume you and, and probably most parents we want we want we want to equip our kids for life as adults right we're trying to uh, to raise them up as as adult people and one thing i've i feel really confident in is no matter what relationships my kids are in as they get older somebody's going to fail them mm-hmm. uh, and somebody's going to need their forgiveness and not and, and I guess I'll say in, in, in some high stakes ways at mm-hmm. some point right mm-hmm. I mean everybody's good at forgiving things that aren't really that big a deal <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to sin and feeling betrayed and, and those kinds of issues they, they need yeah. to to understand that that's that's exactly what the grace of God is there for and, and so we certainly are, are trying to build that into how we discuss sexuality, how we discuss uh, the times that took us. You put a standard on anything, the human experiences were going to fail at that standard, right? And so trying to live a, uh, a high calling and a redemptive view of sexuality means we're going to fail. Um, but if it's going to be redemptive, that means we have to have to find and offer grace in there too. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. That's just a really cool connection I hadn't mm. thought of before. Yeah. So so take a, a stab mm. at the one from a minister's perspective. Yeah. Um, now, you guys uh, recently transitioned um, out, right? Your, well, we're still there, still uh, but the we've church, told them we'll be out by the end of the summer. By the end so of the summer. They're starting okay. to find a, a replacement so for us now. Uh, and how long have you worked at, at Naperville? It'll be 12 years. So 12 my, years. my last official day at Naperville is August 1st, and that, that's my 12th anniversary there. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. And that's fantastic. A dozen years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from a guy who's kind of in his, you know, first two years at the church I'm sure. serving right yeah. now, um, thinking forward 10 years from now, what the, the culture, the things I'm doing today right. and, um, and how I hope those things play out. Um, just take a stab at that question mm-hmm. regarding how is this environment how you've created, yeah. how does it add value as, as a minister? It has, and again, if if I said that this was, that I thought that what I was doing would get me to where we are now, 12 years ago, I'd be totally lying. I just, <laughs> I started teaching sexuality because I loved it. It was super fun. And the kids had a great time with it. Uh, it was that just perfect combination of, of awkward and funny. And and so everybody always always enjoyed it, and I always enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now we're at this point, uh, 12 years later, where we, we joke in my youth group about the fact that they, there probably isn't a youth group in the world that talks about sexuality more than ours does. Um, but that's... You know, it gets back to what I was saying a little bit ago. We only do a, a unit, a teaching unit on sexuality every two years. Um, but it just always comes up. I mean, it's just always part of the conversation. Uh, and the beauty of that to me is that, one, we have a group that, that confesses sexual sin and struggle all the time. Um, and, and that's, again, that's kind of just always part of the conversation for us. Uh, and then two, it's it just opened our group up in general, uh, as far as our what, once you confess sexual sin, you're not there's not much else you're going to hide from the people around you. I mean, yeah, it's just the yeah. you know the the natural byproduct right. of that is it just creates a more open environment in general because once you cross that line of conversation, you're you're pretty well open to talk about just about anything. And so uh, for our group, you know you know how youth groups are; they shift every year when people yeah, graduate yeah. and new people come in. But uh, over the years, that's been a 
just such a beautiful uh, product of this uh, this environment in our group is that uh, our kids just are, are really comfortable talking about just just about anything all the time um, because I force it to be awkward so often when we talk about sexual so good, so that, I think whatever else once we once we get that and whoops yeah. once everybody's comfortable talking penises and vagina and intercourse and everything else and you know, we can talk about uh, all the other topics pretty easily usually so. yeah yeah so um you know we don't have unlimited time to explore all of the things i mean the workshop that you did for um churches that i've served at mm-hmm. i think we're about four hours yeah um, yep. and man a fantastic you don't fill all the four hours you give plenty of space for people to yeah. process which is something i mean it that's almost more essential, you know? Oh, I um, think it's but definitely. I and mean, uh, the other hours are just there to set up the, the Q&A. Exactly. And so we're, we're there. We're, we're really engaging in this. We're in the awkward. We're in the conversations. <laughs> we're yep. confessing how we failed at times. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think the one thing that I know has been a struggle for, as a minister and as, um, as a dude just in general. I mean, I was raised homeschool. So, like, I, I was what you call a sheltered kid yeah, in sure. many ways. So I enter college and, you know, yeah. the public school kids are telling me, oh, get ready, you know, and they're hiding <laughs> condoms in my jacket and nice. I don't know what I'm looking at, you know. And, yeah. and some great, you know, just horrible learning experiences, not where I should yeah. have been learning hey, some of that stuff. You're pretty socially functional, by the way. Thank you. Thank kids. you. Um, <laughs> I, I do credit my parents for that I'm a homeschooled. I happen to be homeschooled. I'm not a homeschooler. That's, you can that's see the homeschooler yeah. coming. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's another podcast. Yeah. But but I think fear, hmm. I think fear yeah. of of working at it, right? Yeah. And I'm I know in some of the conversations that we've had, you shared how man, you know, you need to be upfront and clear with parents. So any youth minister listening to this knows, you know, you're not just going to one day waltz in on Sunday morning and teach right. kids about sex. Right. Um, and I appreciated that as you walked me and coached me through mm. uh, doing a unit on sexuality that went over really well, Good. you know. Good. But I I felt like it was, a lot of it was hand-holding fear, you know, yeah. hand-holding That's people exactly. who were yeah. afraid. Yep. Um, what are you going to be telling my kids? You know, yeah. you're going to be using those words, you know, penis, vagina, sex, intercourse, <laughs> right. you know, and, and the 12 year old who decided to come and whose mom thought it was okay to show up, you know, looking yeah. at me and kind of going, uh, you yeah. know, what are we talking about? Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, t- telling people, you know, here's the expectations and all that stuff. But yeah. at the same point, I, uh, I have my own fears, mm-hmm. you know, to address about sexuality, even talking to my wife about yeah. expectations in our marriage and those kind yeah. of things. Um, so speak a little bit to that in our mm-hmm. final kind of moments together. Uh, what would you say to somebody as they try and deal with yeah. the fear that they have and, uh, you know, that others might have? Sure. You know, fear, fear functions essentially the same way, no matter what the, the topic or what the source of the fear is. And, and fear and when it comes to speaking about sexuality is just like anything else. Uh, and, and I think the best metaphor I've ever heard for it, and my, my former therapist gave this to me uh, mm-hmm. for some other things I was dealing with, uh, is that sexuality for a lot of people, a conversation about sexuality is like a, a super overinflated tire. Mm-hmm. And, and the fear is 
that tire is going to explode, <laughs> and, and and bad things are going to happen. Uh, but what happens with sexuality? Again, just like any other topic, but uh, when we have conversations about sexuality, every time we have another conversation about it, it's like it just release, releases a little bit more air out of that tire. Um, and and the same thing is, is true on a uh, on a larger scale, like in in your ministry. Every time you come back to the topic of sexuality, the next time you come back to the topic of sexuality, you'll have less fear. You'll have less anxiety. People will know, okay, we did this before, nobody died, uh, nobody got pregnant because you said sex in the class. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you didn't make my kid gay. No, that stuff happened, so we're going to be okay. Um, and, th and those are exactly the kind of fear people have, and it sounds stupid and irrational, but that's fear, right? That's <laughs> at, its, at its nature, stupid, uh, fear is irrational. Um, and, and talking about sexuality, uh, you know, in your homes, with your, with your spouse, at your church, uh, the, just the, the more you do it, but first of all, it's like other things as well, you'll, you'll do it badly sometimes. Um, and, but that's, that's good too, because then you, a lot of people have that fear of saying the wrong thing. You're, you're definitely going to say the wrong thing. Um, and then you will, and you realize we're all still here and everybody's okay and we find we find grace in those spaces where we say the wrong things and we backtrack and say no what I, what I was trying to say was really this thing um, and and every time you have those conversations it, it releases a little bit of that that pressure that builds up uh, in that thing that we're afraid of um, and we've found you know with sexuality you know, so at, in my house for example I don't know that anybody's ever just wakes up and gets out of bed thinking, man, I hope we have a good talk about sexuality <laughs> today. Um, but, but we know we can, and we know we will. Uh, we know when it comes up, we'll be ready for it. Um, so it's, uh, you know, what, you might compare it to public speaking, right? I've, I've been speaking in public. You've been speaking in public for a long time. There's still fear there. Mm -hmm. But now that we've done it a bunch of times, you know, we're going to survive it and it's going to be just fine. Yeah. Uh, we just have to take the next step forward and, and get into it. Um, and sexuality, the conversation around sexuality is exactly the same way. It's just uh, little, little bit by bit we let the, take some of the pressure out of that expectation and anticipation that we have that builds that fear inside of us. And, uh, we realize we can ultimately talk about anything and we hit topics we don't have answers for. We, we pause the conversation and we go find people who do have answers for them or, or we work a little harder to try to figure those things out. Yeah. Um, just stay in those conversations. Yeah. So we do, we do need to talk. We it's, do. It's yeah. important. Um, yeah. So I, Adam, I appreciate just taking the little bit of time that we do yeah. have in between lectures, in between our own right, freshman and learning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I think, time for dinner. And All so right. we're going to go get something to eat and uh okay I'm, I'm hoping that we can circle back around and you know there's so many different topics of sure. uh sexuality I yeah think, right it's you an know, umbrella term for a massive amount of yeah topics. and i know that uh you have had a, a great influence on my life and and how i go about uh fostering this environment that we just talked about and that's why i wanted to to focus on that i mean we could have you know talked about LGBTQ stuff right, and, yeah. and how you handle that in a, in a youth ministry, how sure. you handle that in a church. 
uh, we could have talked about how we're trying to nudge our pulpit guys to, right. to be yeah. model this to better. Make it um, not just a conversation for kids and teenagers. Exactly. Yeah. So I think there's plenty more that sure. we can talk about in some future podcasts. So be happy to. Uh, going to have you back on again soon. All right. Sounds great. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Value Add. For more great conversations and insights, visit valueaddconversations.com.